Let's pray, and then we'll start. God, we love you, and we thank you for this day. God, thank you that we could come here, we could uh, worship you by simply opening up uh, your word, studying it, and applying it to our lives. God, we love you, and we thank you. Please speak to us this morning. Uh, it's in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please open them up, turn them on, and I feel kind of really locked down here because I have the, I have a Zoom that I have to have to do. But um, so if I start to move around, I'm sorry, boys online. But if you have your Bibles, please open them up or turn them on. If you have an iPhone, iPad, whatever it is you use for God's Word, and go to Exodus chapter three. We are in Exodus chapter three, and we're going to look in both Exodus chapter three and in Exodus chapter. Four. And we're in this series right now called Failing Forward, talking about how we as men, we might fail, but if we fail and when we fail, and really it's not an issue of if we fail, it's more like when we fail, right? Of when we fail, how to fail successfully, okay? And not only just how to fail successfully, but to fail and then to get back up on the horse and ride again. All right, y'all know what I mean? I mean, hey, we fail, but then we can either stay in that failure and stay in that misery, or we can proceed to move on, to move forward, to, to um, for lack of a better term, to pick ourselves up and to move forward, but not only just pick ourselves up, but to allow God to use us in that and to move forward, to continue to do what God has called us to do in spite of anything uh, uh, despite the situation that has happened in your life. And uh, I came across a good quote this week, uh, and it was from a football coach, and he gave this advice on dealing with failures as he says this, and I quote, When you're about to be run out of town, get out in front and make it look like you're heading a parade. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good, isn't it? That's pretty good. Hey, when it looks like you're getting ready to be run out of town, get out in front and make it look like you are heading a parade. And over the past couple weeks, Dr. Caton has been going through this series called Failing Forward. And a few weeks ago, he talked about Peter and his failure. Last week, he talked about uh, these two guys that were up to be, uh, bless you, he was, uh, they were up to be, they were nominated and up to be the replacement disciple uh, for Judas Iscariot. And guess what happened? One was chosen and one was not. And we talked about how that one named uh, Bar Sabbath, how, how he went on down into church history and, and being the bishop of a city and, and how he continued to further the gospel um, in spite of of the failure of not being chosen. And today, I didn't want to continue that series because I want Pastor Caton to keep on going through that. So what I want to do is I want to simply compliment uh, what Pastor is talking about today by talking about the five excuses we give ourselves to others and even to God as to why we don't get back up on the horse and start to ride again. Okay? Because we all have excuses. We all give excuses. I don't know how many of you all have kids. How many of you, you've heard your kids give the excuses. Just last week, my son, <laughs> he did not complete an assignment. And I said, why didn't you complete that assignment? And this was his excuse. It's too hard. That's his excuse. It's too hard. But you know what? I listen to that. And sometimes there are times in my life where I just give up on something. You know why? Because I tell myself, I give myself that excuse, eh, it's just too hard. It's just too hard. 
And so there are five excuses that we see in Scripture that Moses gives to God. And I just kind of ran through, I did a Google search real quick, and I said, what are the most popular excuses people use in their lives? And here are some of the excuses, and we're going to talk about some of these excuses, but one, uh, here's just a list, is I'm just not educated enough. How many of y'all have heard that excuse, huh? I just, I don't have the education. I don't have enough money. That's a very popular excuse, is it not? Okay, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough experience. I'm just not ready yet. I just don't know where to begin. It's just too difficult. It's just not the right time. Nobody believes in me. People are holding me back. I'm afraid of what others might think. I'm afraid of making a mistake. I just don't know the right people. It's just too risky. I've tried and it just can't be done. How many of y'all have heard any of these, these excuses? Have y'all heard these? How many of you have said maybe one of these excuses? Okay, like two people have only said this. How many of y'all, seriously, how many, raise your hand. How many of y'all, you've said it or you've heard it of some sort and top, uh, something like that. S- seriously, we, uh, we use excuses, okay, in our lives to justify mediocrity. And we tell God, we tell ourselves, and we give ourselves these excuses as to why we are not pursuing what God wants us to pursue in life and fulfilling the call that God has on your life. And so we're going to look at these five excuses that Moses gives God and to himself and talk about those real quick. Now, if you don't know the story of Moses, Moses is the guy that led Israel out of Egypt. He is the guy that came in. If you remember, he came in and he led the children out of slavery and out of Pharaoh's grasp. But what happened to Moses early on in life when he was about 40 is, is uh, he was walking around if you remember in, in Exodus chapter 1 and chapter 2, chapter 3, he's walking around and there he is seeing an Egyptian beating his fellow Hebrew, fellow Israelite. And so Moses doesn't like that. And so he takes this Egyptian and he kills him. Okay. And he buries the body. And he thinks he got away with it because he thought nobody saw. Well, then the next day he's walking around and there are two Hebrews and they're talking and they see Moses and they say, hey, listen, there's that guy that killed that Egyptian. And there is his failure. His failure is laid open, exposed for everyone to know. And so, boom, Moses takes off. He takes off. He runs to Midian and he stays there for 40 years. And he is he's living the life. Okay, he's a rancher. He's a shepherd. He's taking care of sheep. Okay, nobody knows where he is. He's got a wife. Life is good. And then Moses encounters God there at the burning bush. And they have this conversation. And here is where we see Moses and God have this conversation that Moses gives five excuses as to why he does not want to go back and be the leader that God has called him to be. He's he's lived quietly, get this, for 40 years. Okay? Okay? Nobody knows where he is. Nobody knows what he's doing. He's 
He's just some guy out there shepherding sheep. And then God shows up and says, Moses, it's time for you to go and to do what I have called you to do. And so there are five excuses that he gives. And so let's start with excuse number one, the excuse of significance. I just don't know the right people. Right? We've heard that excuse. People say, I just don't know the right people. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, God and Moses begin their conversation and God calls Moses. He says, hey, I want you to go and I want you to free my people from the bondage of slavery. And look at what Moses says. He says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses says, hey, listen, who am I? I'm just some shepherd, all right? I used to live in the king's court. I used to live in the palace, but I've been out of there for 40 years. Who am I? I don't know anybody. I am nobody. And look at how God responds in verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that is I who have sent you, you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses questioned his significance. The task God had for Moses could not be done on his own. Okay? Understand this, is that the task that God gave Moses, hey, I want you to go free my children from Israel. Guess what? Moses couldn't do that on his own. He gave him a task that there's no way possible that Moses could do on his own. Moses did not have the clout. Moses was a nobody. Uh, every time I say that phrase, and as I was writing this, I was thinking of uh, many years ago, we were on a family vacation with my parents. And there was a guy out there on the beach, and I don't know if, have you, if you've been on the beach, there's always those photographers, you know, that are out there wanting to take your picture and stuff. And his name, I don't know his real name, but the name he used was Mr. Nobody. And everybody on the beach knew Mr. Nobody. Because you'd walk down there and you'd say, uh, I need a photographer, and he would just yell out, I am nobody! I'm nobody. Mr. Nobody was somebody. But here's the situation with Moses. Is, <laughs> he is a nobody. Nobody knows who he is. He has no significance, no clout. You know, can you imagine him thinking, I'm going to walk into Pharaoh's office, into his throne room, and I'm going to say, hey, you need to let my people go. I'm going to be laughed right out of it. Pharaoh's going to go, who are you to come in here? You've been farming. You've been uh, shepherding for the past 40 years. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody cares. Who do you think you are? And look at how God responds as he says this. God says, hey, listen, I'm going to be with you. I am going to be with you. Our significance comes from God, not from ourselves or what we do. We are special not because of what we do, but because of who our Savior is. 
Because who our Lord and who our King is. It is God that makes us significant. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10 So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. John 14, 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father and he will give you an advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. You have to understand that no matter our significance or our clout in this world, and I'll tell you what, the older I've gotten, the more I have learned how insignificant I am. I don't know about you, but I've just learned over time and through some tough trials that I am really just not that important. But guess what? In God's eyes, I'm important to Him. And God wants me to follow Him and to succeed not for the world and for its riches, but rather for His kingdom. Uh, when Henry Norris Russell was giving a lecture at a university, he's a Princeton astronomer, and he, when he had concluded his lecture on the Milky Way, a woman came up to him and asked, she said, if our world is so little and the universe is so great, can we believe God really pays attention to us at all? To which Dr. Russell replied, and he said this, he said, that depends, madam, entirely on how big of a God you believe in. How big of a God do you believe in? And so the excuse of, I just don't know the right people. I don't have enough clout. Nobody knows who I am. God says, that excuse goes away, Moses. Guess what? You know who I am. You know me. And that's all you need to know. I'm the only person you need to know. So then Moses says, well, I'm going to give you another excuse. And he gives the excuse of authority. I'm afraid others might not, not, might not believe what I think. I'm afraid of even just what others might think of me. Moses asks the question in verse uh, 13 of Exodus 3. Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I say to them? In other words, I go to the Israelites, I go to my own people, and I say, hey, listen, God has called us, you know, we need to leave. It's time for us to go. What, what are they going to think about me? Because guess what? I'm a nobody. Nobody knows who I am. What are they going to say? And look at how God responds in verse 14. God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. That's a powerful statement. Yahweh, I am. The great I am has sent me to you. Man, what are, others, what are other people going to think of me if I begin 
from this failure, I begin to climb back up on that horse. I begin to climb that mountain again. What are other people going to think of me? And what does God tell Moses? He says, hey, listen, don't worry about what they think. Just worry about who I am. And I am the great I am. When Christian uh, Herder was the governor of Massachusetts from 1953 to 1957, he was running for a second election. He didn't get elected, by the way. But he was running for a second term in office. And one day he was going through uh, a neighborhood, busy, of course, chasing votes as a politician normally does. And uh, it was late afternoon, and of course, Governor Heater at the time, uh, he, was, he was hungry. He hadn't eaten. And so uh, he saw a church, and that church was having a little barbecue right out front. So he thought he'd stop in there and get a plate of food. And so he walks, in, he walks up to the line, grabs a plate, and starts going down the line. Of course, they're filling up his plate. And the story goes that he, he hits the lady that was handing out the chicken. <laughs> And she grabbed a piece of chicken, threw it on his plate. And, of course, he's hungry. And uh, he says, ma'am, do you mind if you give me another piece of chicken? And the lady said, "Um, well, I'm sorry, but I'm only allowed to give one piece of chicken per person. Of course, the governor, he says, I'm I'm starving. I'm hungry. (laughs) Could you please give me another piece of chicken? And the lady said, I'm sorry, only one per person. I can't give you another piece of chicken. So the governor at the time, he just, you know, he's a nice guy, but he just decides to throw his weight around and he looks at her and he says, well, ma'am, I'm sorry, but do you know who I am? I am the governor of this state. To which the lady looked at him and she replied, well, governor, I'm sorry, but do you know who I am? I'm the one in charge of giving out the chicken. Please move on down the line. That's a true story. Uh, Held no weight with her. I don't care if you are the governor. Keep on moving. You know, a lot of people, they question God's authority. Moses is going to show up before Pharaoh, and he's going to say, hey, listen, let my people go. And Pharaoh's going to go, on whose authority? And Moses is going to say, on my God's authority, the great I am on Yahweh's authority. Well, Pharaoh worships many gods. He's heard of that. He's heard of, he's, he knows what a God is. And he says, hey, I worship many gods. I don't believe in your God. You know, today, people use the same thing. They say the same thing. Who is your God? There are many people, just go beyond these walls, walk into your office, and you'll see that there are many people that are worshiping other gods. And they are lowercase g gods. But the God that we serve is different, for He is the one and the only true God. And He is the one that is ultimately in charge, and He is the one that reigns Supreme And gentlemen, that is the God that we worship. The one and only great I am God. Amen? That is the God that we worship. And what blows my mind is that Moses is sitting, talking to the very 
God that created him, the creator, telling him, hey, listen, who do I go to? What do I say? And God just simply says, tell him, I am sent you. Deuteronomy 10, 17. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Man, what a great verse. If you want to be reminded of the God that you serve, the God that you claim to worship, write down Deuteronomy 10, 17. I'm going to say it again. Every time I read it, I just want to, I just want to go punch somebody. You know, I mean, I just get excited for the Lord. Your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome. Don't you love that? He is mighty and he is awesome. And this is the kind of God that we serve. And this is the kind of God that has called Moses to go free the children of Israel. And this is the same God that not only freed the children of Israel, but that is calling you to go and to fulfill your calling that He has called you to do in your heart and in your life. And too many times we give the excuse, well, I just, what, are, what are people going to think of me? What is my spouse going to think of me? What are my kids going to think of me? What is my boss going to think of me if I begin to serve God the way He wants me to serve Him? What if I have failed God says, I don't want to hear that excuse. I am the King of kings. I am the Lord of lords. I am awesome. And you're about ready to see that, Moses. God wants to show you that in your heart and in your life. 1 Chronicles 29.11 Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is Yours. Do you believe that? Do you believe that everything in heaven and on earth is the great I am's. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. How does the Lord's prayer end? For thine is the what? Kingdom and the what? And the what? Forever and ever. Amen. Not just for this century, not just for tomorrow, not just for today, but forever and forever. Amen. We serve a God that is above all. So let us, and so let this serve as a reminder, hopefully to you, is that we might fail, but God does not fail. God is not in the business of failing. And God has never failed and He never will fail. We might fail every day. But when God calls you, He's never, He never calls you to failure. Okay? God calls you to serve Him and to serve His purpose. All right, excuse number three. Nobody believes me. The excuse of credibility. Moses says to God in uh, chapter 4, verse 1, he says this. Moses answered, okay, so we've gone through uh, two excuses. We're, we're on excuse number three. Moses says, what if they do not believe me or listen to me or say the Lord did not appear to you? What if they don't believe me? Nobody believes me. God answers in verse 
2 and 3. The Lord said, throw, take your staff, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. You know, I run from snakes. I hate snakes. Those things are disgusting. Anyway, then verse 4. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it up by its tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into his staff. Verse 5. This said the Lord, is so that you may believe that the Lord, the God of your forefathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. A sign. Moses said, man, what? I'm going to need some proof. I need some proof. Moses questioned God's credibility. I don't know about you in your, in your lives, but have you ever kind of stopped everything and said, hey, God, I kind of need some proof here. Have you ever done that? God, will you please prove to me what you are telling me to go and to do? God does not give us purpose without giving us credibility. God does not give us a purpose without giving us credibility. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Now the Buren Jews were more noble were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For when they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. What happened? Paul came in and he started preaching and teaching and all these great men, they started looking at Paul going, wait a minute, is what he's saying true? And what did they do? They opened up the word of God and they began to study and they made sure that what Paul was telling them was the truth. What are they looking for? They're looking for the credibility of what Paul was preaching and teaching. Matthew 5, 14 and 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. And here's the proof. Here is the credibility that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. What is the credibility? They will see the good deeds and then because of that they will turn and they will glorify the great I Am. When God calls you, He works things out to prove that calling. He brings credibility. Have you ever said, man, God, will you just confirm what you're telling me? Will you confirm that? Will you affirm, God, what you are? We want confirmation. And God says, hey, listen, Moses, I'm charging you to go here and to do this. Moses gives the excuse, well, I don't know. I don't know. <coughs> Can we prove it? Can you prove it? God says, hey, throw out that staff. Scripture is full of this. Okay? What happened to Gideon? Remember Gideon? God calls Gideon to go down and to fight. And Gideon says, well, I don't know, God. I'll tell you what, I'm going to lay out this, this sheepskin here, and I want the sheepskin to be dry, and I want the ground to be dewy. And what happens? He goes to bed, wakes up the next morning, and it happens. And then Gideon says, well, 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 that, that was pretty easy. Tell you what, God, tomorrow I'm going to lay out this mat tonight. Tomorrow I want the mat to be dewy, and I want the ground to be dry. And so the next morning it happens. And Gideon says, well, 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 wait a minute. And God finally says, Gideon, dude, I've done it. I've proved to you. I've given you the credibility. God has given us 
the credibility. He has confirmed who He is and what He does. He will give you an affirmation on your calling. Excuse number four. The excuse of I'm not talented enough. The excuse of I'm not talented enough. Or I just don't have enough experience. I'm just not quite ready yet. Moses, he gives this excuse. Chapter 4, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since. Have you, uh, have you spoken to your servant? I am slow of speech and tongue. He had a speech impediment. And look at God's answer. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or who gives them blindness? It is, is it not I, the Lord, the great I am? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. This is funny because now we see God becoming annoyed. Okay, God, okay, so I believe in who you are. I believe that you have the power. I've seen the credibility here, but I just can't talk. And what does God say? Man, who created everything? Now go. We always want to give the excuse of, man, I just don't have enough experience, or I am not talented enough. Moses questions his abilities. Apparently... He's not a good talker. A big thing that keeps us from recovering from failure is doubting our abilities. When, to be quite frank, when it comes to God using us, our abilities really don't matter. Because it is God's power that intervenes and helps us and works through us despite our disabilities. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient to you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, <clears throat> I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It is in our weakness that God shows His great power. That despite ourselves, that despite how bad we think we are, or really how bad we are, God uses us. He uses us in spite of our weakness. Romans 8.26 In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I love that first part. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Whatever the excuse is, God says, hey listen, I got this. It's all on me. You know what's so great about all these excuses is God says, hey, don't worry about it. Just trust me. I've got it handled. Just, just simply follow me. Just simply do what I tell you to do. Say what I'm, I'm going to tell you, Moses, exactly what to say. I might even just spend time with you 
teaching you, going it over, over and over and over again, exactly what to say. You don't have to think it up. Man, I love that. But then here's the fifth and final excuse, and probably the excuse that I use the most. And it's a blatant excuse, which I love because it's just so honest. Okay? This is probably the number one excuse that we use. We may not even say it, but we use it all the time. Returning from failures and not wanting to go and to climb that next mountain. In verse 13 of Exodus chapter 4, it says this, But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else. Wow. Now, I've read this. I've even preached this. I went back and reviewed my notes. I've even preached this passage before. But it wasn't until pastor asked me to come and talk to you today that I read this passage, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I've read this a hundred times, but it really hit me like a ton of bricks when Moses just straight up said, I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. I'll tell you a story here. True story. I was senior pastor out of Jacksboro, Texas at First Baptist Church, Jacksboro. I was meeting uh, some guys and I was going down shaking their hands. and There was a guy I met. I said, hey, I'm Justin, and he told me his name. I'm going to leave that out for confidentiality. I said, hey, uh, I would love for you to come to church one, one Sunday morning. Will you just come by and visit us? <laughs> and he goes, man, Sunday mornings, uh, I'm always out buying peanut butter. What? You're out buying peanut butter on Sunday mornings? You know, the store's open seven days a week. You can go Monday through Saturday, and... There's always all Sunday afternoon. We're only in church for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. You know, if I preach long, I said, just show up at 11. Why do you have to buy peanut butter on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock? And he said, well, he said, I'll just be honest with you. It doesn't matter what excuse I use. I'm not coming. I just, I'm just going to tell you I'm going to go buy peanut butter on Sunday morning. Here's the reality. The reality is, is he said, I'm going to go buy peanut butter on Sunday morning. But what he was thinking is, is I just don't want to go. I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. And you know what? For a lot of things in my life, the reason why I'm not successful is because I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. That's right. Some of you online, you just don't want to do it. A lot of guys, they don't want to come here on Tuesday morning. You know why? Not because it's early. They just don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. And that is what keeps us from moving forward from failures. Moses says, pardon your servant, please send somebody else. Finally, the truth comes out. Moses has given every excuse possible, but the the truth finally comes out. Moses, I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. And for us as men, God is calling us to fulfill His call and His purpose in your life. And what do we do? We just turn around and we make every excuse until finally you get down to it. And let's just drill down to really the reason why. I don't want to do it. You know what? You know what? At the beginning, 
when I was talking, I was talking about my son saying my homework's too hard. His homework isn't all that hard. I can do it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was a rough joke. His homework's not that hard. He's just being lazy. He just doesn't want to do it. That's it. That's what it boils down. He just doesn't want to do it. When he sits down and he finally does it, you know what? It takes him five minutes to do it. But he just doesn't flat out want to do it. And look at God's response in verse 14 of Exodus chapter 4. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you. He'll be glad to see you. Can you just hear God's tone right there? What did God say? God said, you're still going. Because what did he say? Aaron's on his way. He can speak well. It's all good. You know what we find out later on is that Aaron doesn't say anything. Moses does all the talking. What is God just says, Moses, you're going. We're going to make this happen. It is going to happen. I refuse, God says, to accept your excuses. We are going to move forward. Moses just says, I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. Send somebody else. For us, a lot of times in our spiritual life, in our lives in general, we just don't want to do it. You know how many times I've sat down across couples inevitably a divorce is getting ready to happen. You know why? Because one person, they're willing to put in the fight. They're willing to do it. They have taken out all the excuses and they said, I want to go. And then there's another spouse that just simply says, I don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to put in the effort. I don't want to work at it. And at the end of the day, after all the excuses are gone, the last excuse standing is, is I just simply don't want to put in the effort. It doesn't really matter to me. Jesus addressed excuses in Luke chapter 9, verses 59 and 60 through 62. And he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I like what Benjamin Franklin said. He said this, uh, He that is good at making excuses is seldom good for anything else. I just want to close with this question is, uh, what excuses are you giving God today? What excuses are you giving God today? What excuses are you telling yourself? What excuses are you telling your family? What excuses are you telling your children? What excuses are you telling your boss? <coughs> what excuses are you giving to not go forward, not to move forward? Rather, you want to hang out here at the bottom and God is calling you for so much better, for great things, for His kingdom, and to benefit you. God wants to do so much with us in our lives, and in our families, and in our church, and in our businesses. But we just, every time we step back and go, I don't know. God, what are people going to think of me? 
something going on in the office that you know is wrong and that God's principles stand when it comes to ethics and you go, yeah, what is, what is my boss going to think of me? What's going to happen? That's an excuse. Guys, I want to encourage you. Look at your lives and stop giving excuses. I don't know about you, whether you enjoyed this teaching time or not, but I'll tell you what, I love this. This challenged me just studying it because I said to me in my heart, my life, what excuses am I, have I been making lately? I need to get on the horse. I need to ride. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for this day. God, I ask that you would impact every man in here. And God, may we as men that follow you, God, I'm sorry for making excuses. God, I'm sorry, to be honest, for being lazy and just saying, you know what, Lord, I just don't want to do it. I just, don't want, I just don't want to do it. Father, I apologize for my laziness. And God, for these men right here, I ask on their behalf, God, that you would forgive them if they are making excuses. That, God, that you would well up in us a desire to serve you passionately and to serve you deeply. And, Father, to push away and to move all the excuses away for us to stop living in mediocrity, but rather to charge forward in this world, serving you, whether it be in our family, in our homes, God, at the office, when we are with our friends, God, when we are here at church. God, may we passionately pursue and seek and chase you and follow you and do what you simply ask us to do without excuses anymore. Father, for those of us that have failed, God, first of all, thank you for your forgiveness. But second of all, God, I ask that, that we would turn and that we would begin to climb that mountain again. That, Father, that you would show us, that you would prove to us that you are calling us to follow you. God, that that credibility would there be there. That, God, that we would trust in your authority, that you will work things out because you are the great I am. You are Yahweh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And God, that we know our significance doesn't come from ourselves, but rather it comes from you and who you are. God, we love you and we thank you for all that you have done, all that you are doing, and what you will do. It's in your name that we ask all these things, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen.